Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, please welcome to the Market Color Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that is dedicated to providing our listeners with a broad overview of the global financial market and with a special focus on the Kenyan market. And in order to deliver on this objective, we have structured this podcast to begin with an overview of the global market so as to give you a big picture perspective of the global economy. This is then followed by the Kenyan segment where we review the performance of the local market with a view to covering all the major asset classes. And finally, we wrap up the podcast by addressing the topical issue for that week so as to bring you up to speed with the latest financial headlines. This podcast is targeted at the individual with an interest in the financial markets, but who probably doesn't have the time for research and analysis. That is why I created the Market Color podcast to call it and analyze the data on your behalf and to present it in a brief and concise manner that is easy for you to consume. This is episode number 46, and this week we are reviewing the performance of the global markets during the 10th week of 2023, and that is from Monday the 6th to Friday the 10th of March. And without further ado, this is your host, Jamu Huri, and together, let's dive right in. We kick it off in the United States of America, where in the past one week, two banks collapsed, sending shockwaves across the banking sector as well as the equity markets. In what is now being described as the second largest bank failure in U.S. history, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation on Friday announced that it had closed down Silicon Valley Bank and taken control of its daily operations and customer deposits. The company's downward spiral began on Wednesday when it surprised investors by announcing that it needed to raise $2.25 billion to shore up its balance sheet. The announcement sparked a bank run that saw depositors withdraw more than $42 billion in less than 48 hours. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which is a major player in the technology and venture capital community, has sent shockwaves throughout the U.S. banking sector. The U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Sunday said she was working to address the situation in a timely way and was mainly concerned about depositors, but also indicated that there would be no government bailout this time around. In related news, on Wednesday, a crypto-focused bank by the name of Silvergate Capital announced that it was winding down operations and going into liquidation as the company's shares plunged more than 36% in after-hours trading. Silvergate Capital has been struggling for months following the collapse of FTX, which was a major client at the bank. FTX was the second largest crypto exchange before it collapsed in November 2022. Following the collapse of Silvergate Capital, the total valuation of the cryptocurrency market declined by more than $70 billion in less than 24 hours as Bitcoin fell about 8% 
to hit a two-month low and was last seen trading at 19,944 US dollars. Staying in the US, the number of jobs created in the month of February decelerated but was still much stronger than market expectations. And this is despite the Federal Reserve's attempts to slow down economic activity and bring inflation under control. The U.S. Labor Department on Friday released the much-awaited non-farm payrolls, which showed that the U.S. economy created 311,000 new jobs in the month of February, which is a clear signal that the labor market remains extremely hot. The non-farm payrolls for January were also revised down slightly to 504,000 new jobs. Meanwhile, the unemployment rate rose to 3.6% as the labor force participation rate also ticked higher to 62.5%, its highest level since March 2020. On the pace of future rate hikes, the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell on Wednesday cautioned that interest rates are likely to increase to a level higher than the central bank had previously anticipated. The chairman, in his remarks before the Senate Banking Committee, said that the latest economic data had come in stronger than expected and therefore the ultimate level of interest rates is likely to be higher than previously anticipated. In December, Fed officials had pegged the terminal rate at 5.1%. However, following the chairman's remarks, the market is now pricing in a higher range of between 5.5% In the U.S. stock market, as expected, stocks tumbled across the board on Friday as Silicon Valley Bank went into liquidation and sent shockwaves throughout the banking sector. The collapse of the bank, which has been described as the second largest bank failure in U.S. history, has wreaked havoc on regional banks whose shares were halted from trading as they declined sharply following the announcement. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 345 points to close at 31,909, while the S&P 500 lost 1.45% to settle at 3,861, and the Nasdaq Composite shed 1.76% to end the day at 11,138. All the major averages recorded losses for the week, with the Dow Jones falling by 4.4%, while the S&P dropped by 4.5%, and the Nasdaq declined by 4.7%. In the U.S. bond market, the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank sparked a flight to safety as investors dumped stocks in exchange for safer assets such as U.S. government bonds. And given the inverse relationship between bond yields and prices, as the price of bonds rose, their yields fell, and in particular the yield on the two-year Treasury note shed at least 46 basis points. Earlier in the week, the yield on the two-year Treasury note was trading above the key 5% level. However, immediately after the risk event, the yield fell about 32 basis points and was last seen trading at 4.58%. Meanwhile, the yield on the benchmark 10-year Treasury bond dropped nearly 23 basis points to trade at 3.69%.
The Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has warned of higher and potentially faster rate hikes as the market looks forward to the Fed's next policy meeting, which is scheduled for March the 21st and 22nd. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil rose more than 1% on Friday after better-than-expected U.S. employment data. However, for the week, both benchmarks fell more than 3%, driven lower by the outlook for higher U.S. interest rates. Expectations of further rate hikes in the U.S. and the Eurozone have clouded the outlook for global growth and in the process pushed both crude benchmarks lower for the week. The international benchmark Brent crude rose 1.5% to trade at 82.78 U.S. dollars a barrel, whilst the U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate was up 1.3% at 76.68 U.S. dollars per barrel. Meanwhile, Marban oil, which Kenya imports, decreased to 82.71 US dollars per barrel from 83.66 dollars the previous week. And in related news, Saudi Arabia's state-controlled oil company, Aramco, on Sunday reported a record profit of 161 billion US dollars for the financial year 2022 which is the largest annual profit ever achieved by an oil and gas company. In the gold market, the price of gold rallied nearly 2% on Friday and was driven higher, mainly by a dip in U.S. Treasury yields, as well as concerns about the stability of the U.S. banking sector, which has ignited a risk-off sentiment, which in turn has increased safe haven flows, into gold. The collapse of Silicon Valley Bank has sent shockwaves throughout the global markets and has increased investment flows into gold, which is seen as a safe haven asset during times of volatility and uncertainty such as this. Spot gold was up 1.98% to trade at $1,867 per ounce. We now change scene to the Kenyan financial markets, and as is the norm, we start off by looking at exchange rates. During the past week, the Kenyan shilling remained under pressure and continues to depreciate versus the major currencies, but remains stable and resilient versus the regional currencies. The Kenyan shilling was trading at 128.59 to the US dollar, compared to 127.29 the previous week. Meanwhile, the sterling pound was valued at 152.26 and the euro was pegged at 135.60. And on the regional front, one Kenyan shilling was changing hands for 28.82 Ugandan shillings, 18.20 Tanzanian shillings, and to the Rwandese franc, the Kenyan shilling was trading at 8.48. On foreign exchange reserves, Kenya's usable foreign exchange reserves remained adequate at 6.56 billion US dollars, which is equivalent to 3.67 months of import cover. However, this amount falls below the required threshold and is in breach of the central bank's statutory requirement to endeavor to maintain at least four months of import cover. 
Kenya's foreign exchange reserves have now dropped to their lowest level in 10 years, and this is as a result of increased foreign debt repayments, as well as the country's inability to access the international financial markets due to the high cost of U.S. dollar debt. In the money markets, the liquidity situation in the interbank market improved significantly during the past week as government payments exceeded and more than offset tax remittances. Commercial banks' excess reserves in relation to the 4.25% cash reserve requirement stood at 14.9 billion shillings. Meanwhile, open market operations remained active with the average interbank rate at 6.54% compared to 6.76% that was recorded the previous week. During the week, the average value traded decreased to 17.3 billion shillings from 23.5 billion shillings. Data from the Central Bank of Kenya shows that the average interbank rate has increased by 23% in the month of February and hit an 18-month high of 6.9% last week on Friday. And this was on the back of tight liquidity conditions in the interbank market. There are now concerns that the rising interbank rates could filter through to consumer loans in the near future. The Central Bank's next policy meeting will be held on Wednesday, the 29th of March. Meanwhile, the central bank rate currently stands at 8.75%, while the discount window rate, which is the rate that banks use to borrow from the central bank as the lender of last resort, remains at 14.75%. In the government securities market, the weekly Treasury bill auction was held on Thursday the 9th of March and the central bank received bids totaling 35.6 billion shillings, a Guinness and advertised amount of 24 billion shillings, representing a performance of 148.5%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 32.1 billion shillings. Interest rates increased marginally but remained stable as the 91-day rate ticked up by 4.4 basis points to 9.74%, while the 182-day rate rose by 5.1 basis points to 10.21%, and the 364-day rate increased by 5.7 basis points to settle at 10.74%. In the primary bond market, the auction for the 17-year amortized infrastructure bond issue number IFB1-2023-17 was held on Wednesday the 8th of March and the central bank received bids totaling 59.7 billion shillings against an advertised amount of 50 billion shillings representing a performance rate of 119.5%. However, the central bank ended up accepting only 50.8 billion shillings at a weighted average rate of 14.39%. At the Nairobi Securities Exchange during the past week, the equities market was on a downward trajectory with the NASI, the NSE 20 and the NSE 25 declining by 6.6%, 1.6%, and 4.3% respectively. This takes the year-to-date performance to losses of 7.4% for the NASI, 4% for the NSC20, 
and 4.5% for the NSC25. The downward trajectory of the Kenyan equity markets was mainly attributed to capital flight as foreign investors exit emerging markets for the safety and security of the developed markets, which are now offering a decent return as the Federal Reserve continues to hike interest rates. Specifically, the market's performance during the past week was mainly driven by losses recorded by large-cap stocks such as Safaricom, Equity Group, East African Breweries, and KCB Group, which declined by 12.2%, 4.8%, 3 3.1%, and 2.3% respectively. These losses were, however, mitigated by gains recorded by other large-cap stocks, such as Standard Chartered Bank, Bamburi, and Absa Bank, which increased by 2.6%, 1.8%, and 1.2%, respectively. During the past week, the turnover in equities increased by 49.8% to 11.8 million US dollars. And this takes the year-to-date turnover to 115.6 million US dollars. Meanwhile, foreign investors remained net sellers with a net selling position of $2.9 million, which takes the year-to-date net selling position to $28 million. For your information, the price of Safaricom shares fell about 7% on Wednesday, declining from 22 shillings and 55 cents the previous day to 20 shillings and 90 cents, which translated into a valuation loss of about 64 billion shillings. In the bond market, the turnover in the domestic secondary market declined by 14.8% during the past week. And in the international market, the yields on Kenya's eurobonds recorded a mixed performance, but overall increased by an average of 67 basis points. The debut 10-year eurobond that matures in 2024 recorded the largest decline of 60 basis points, falling from 12.4% to 11.8%. Next up is the topical issue. This week, we are looking at how the Treasury is planning to repay the 2024 eurobond. The Treasury has announced that it plans to utilize concessional loans to fund the bullet repayment of $2 billion dollars that is required to retire Kenya's debut eurobond. The 10-year sovereign bond was issued in 2014 and will mature in June 2024 during the next financial year. The principal secretary has informed the National Assembly that the Treasury will maximize the use of concessional borrowings as opposed to commercial debt, which is more expensive. He also indicated that the National Treasury will implement liability management operations in order to smoothen the maturity structure of Kenya's public debt over the medium to long term. Kenya's debt sustainability analysis shows that our public debt stock remains sustainable but with a high risk of debt distress. However, the global rating agency Standard & Poor's recently downgraded Kenya's credit rating outlook from stable to negative due to concerns about the country's capacity to service its existing debt obligations. 
for your information, a concessional loan is a loan whose terms and conditions are more favorable than what the borrower can obtain from the marketplace. The favorable terms can either be in terms of below market interest rates and or a long grace period before repayments are due. Concessional loans are normally granted by development institutions such as the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. And on that note, we come to the end of this week's podcast. Thank you as always for listening to the Market Color podcast. We hope that you found it to be useful and informative. And if so, please share it with a friend and help to spread the word around. We really do appreciate your assistance in this effort. For your information, the Market Color podcast is now available on all the major hosting directories. That is from Apple Podcasts to Google Podcasts and from Spotify to Amazon Music. Please subscribe and remember to turn on alerts to be notified of new episodes. And if you have any ideas or feedback on how we can improve this podcast, please feel free to reach me on the following email address. And that is jamuhurig at gmail.com. Jamuhuri spelled J-A-M-U-H-U-R-I. Once again, thank you for your continued support. I look forward to interacting with you again next week. And in the meantime, please do have yourselves a blessed and grateful week ahead. And remember, when we focus on gratitude, the feeling of despair flows out and the feeling of hope flows into our life. Think about it. Thank you and God bless.